You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today we return to the monthly series, Back to the Future, in which we discuss the renewed interest in traditional approaches to food, farming, and natural resource preservation. Today we'll be speaking with Patrick Berkeley, first vice president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture, about Ontario Agriculture Week, celebrating family farming, and what's old and new in farmstead planning. Welcome, Patrick. Good morning, Peggy. It's wonderful to have you here, Patrick. Patrick, you're here representing the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture. What is it and how long has it been in place? So the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture is it's an organization of farmers in Middlesex County. Um, it was founded back all the way back in 1939, and we represent about 1,900 farmers in Middlesex County. And the, the main goal of Middlesex Federation is to advance agriculture in the rural community through partnerships, education, and advocacy for agriculture. Incredible. So a long-standing history, almost 100 years, and a broad range, 1,900 members. That's incredible and a certainly worthy purpose in this day and age as we're all interested in where food comes from. And certainly the farmer is the most trusted uh, participant across the food continuum. So really great to have a representative of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture on the show today. And let's hear a little bit about you, Patrick. How long have you been farming? I've personally been farming my own farm business for three years now. Um, My family has been farming in Canada for three generations. And we we can track my family farming in Holland all the way back to the beginning of the 1700s. It's kind of cool to be able to track your farming lineage back like 14 generations. That is really cool. We often think of, you know, genealogy and uh, all of those things that are popular today. But imagine the oral history and just the knowledge that has come across generations that's in the fiber of your family. So incredible. And we get to benefit from that, not only through the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture, but all that your products offer to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely farmers supply beyond uh, our region. And so that's really incredible. And it leads me to the point of, What I wanted to talk to you about today is uh, Ontario Agriculture Week, which has been this week, October 3rd to 9th. And I'd like to hear from you, Patrick, why is it important to celebrate our agri-food industry? I think at the end of the day, we all need to eat um, and that food has to come from somewhere. And in times past, everyone farmed and we didn't do much other than farming. And part of the the bargain we've made as a society is that some of us will stay in farm and we'll do better at that. And by doing better at farming, it allows the rest of our society to go and invent new technologies, new things and, and get better at those things. And, you know, we as farmers benefit from the fact that we now have tractors that have GPS signals that auto steer the tractor down the field within an inch of where it needs to be. And that is something that we farmers weren't going to have developed on our own, but what we could do was keep farming and the rest of society figures out how to do these amazing things for the benefit of all. And, and so I think what we can do this Ontario agriculture week is just remember Take a second to remember the people that did stay back who maybe didn't go on to expand 
and try new things in the rest of the world, but stayed here to make sure that we all had something to eat. You know, what an incredible and powerful message, Patrick, that only a farmer could offer. You know, we often think of the commodification of our food, what our food prices, and that's important. Um, and how are we going to keep farmers farming? Because farmers can't produce it for any less. So we kind of have this apparent disagreement where can't pay more, but can't produce for less. That the social contribution that farmers are making through the efficient and safe production of all of the foods we love and look forward to seasonally. There's so much right now in the fall that we're all going to be celebrating and uh, enjoying. And that it's it's fantastic to think not only of our heritage, as many of us were farmers or growing food, that now we can rely on a, a mighty group that are still farming and producing um, not just food, but opportunities for all of us to reach our full life's potential through innovation or um, dedication to professions like healthcare and law and, and really anything that people love and do some of those creative things like um, technology and whatnot, that yeah. how incredible to think that back of all of that is contributions that farmers are making, enabling that level of productivity across social institutions. I think it's also really important for both farmers and the rest of society to just remember that we need each other. Uh, we don't exist in our own, well, we live on our own bubbles sometimes, but we need to remember that our bubble only exists because the other half of that equation exists. And so Ontario Agriculture Week kind of, to me, needs to be a week to just be mindful of that duality that we have to play within. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Ontario Agriculture Week this week, October 3rd to 9th, is a time for us to um, set aside the victim and villain narratives that we start to hear. And as you say, that we really have a shared purpose and that we need each other. Producers need consumers, consumers need producers, uh, farmers need families, families need farmers. And what a, what a great message for Ontario Agriculture Week. And how can we acknowledge, Patrick, um, the abundance of the food that farmers, not just locally, but across the nation and world produce for us? I think a lot of farmers would probably look a little strange at you if, if you came up and just said, thank you for producing food. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. It's like, it's, um, but I, you know, maybe it's just the little things. Um, our OFA director for the region has a good line. It's like, you know, just make sure, you know, if you see us driving down the road this fall at harvest, we're going to be on the road. We'd love a wave. It would just be great if you used all five fingers while waving. <laughs> right. Just a wave and a nod and it's understood. That's a thank you. Uh, really great. And, uh, and, a, and a message too, to get out and drive around in the country, see what's going on. It's fall. Um, things are being harvested and beautiful trees and uh, tractors in the field. And there's a lot of sights to see and families just going out for a great drive is a wonderful way to celebrate Ontario Agriculture Week if you aren't in a rural community already. And if you are, certainly that wave of gratitude and thank you. The Ontario agri-food industry provides a lot of economic innovation, Patrick, and can you give us some examples? We talk socially about the um, advancements of society that farmers contribute. However, it is an economic um, part of our society and nation as well. Can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, we're, we're blessed in Middlesex County agriculture that we're in close proximity to a lot of larger urban centers. And so as much as we are rural, we have a nice, strong connection with a whole lot of end users of um, 
we have a lot of access to that here in, in um, Middlesex County. And I think part of the advantage of, of having that, that strong network of buyers for our from farm products is that it gives us some security uh, of that our products we grow will have an, uh, a buyer and that we've got easy access to transport our goods there. And that security allows us to make investments in state-of-the-art new technology uh, such as, yeah, GPS on equipment, uh, variable rate seeding technology, variable rate fertilizer, GPS mapping, um, a whole host of technology that we can bring onto the farm to make sure that we're doing better and more efficient. Um, And we're starting, you know, within the dairy industry in Middlesex County, there's as long as, as well, as well as the rest of Ontario, we're starting to see a whole lot of robotic milkers on farms, which are allowing cows to just come and get milk whenever they want to. And that takes away some of the labor struggles of trying to make sure we have people there to milk cows two or three times a day. So Middlesex farmers and, and Ontario farmers in general are we're continuing to reinvest back into our businesses to make sure that they're strong and successful and competitive. Wonderful. So a really strong food supply. So it's a real community farming. There's uh, a lot of affinity among neighbors. And I'd like to hear from you, Patrick, in what ways do farming communities support each other? And then part two of my question is what additional support can local, provincial and federal governments offer to farmers? The local community of farmers that I live and work around is in some ways it gives me the benefit of being part of a larger, say like a large corporation without me having to actually be part of a large corporation. Um, It allows, you know, the being an active member of my community, which being a part of Middlesex Federation kind of helped me get further into let it to the point where like, I don't need to own my own combine for my small acres. Uh, I'm able to work with another director that you've, you've had on this show, Dave Bolton. Um, I work with him. I go in combine and then I get to use his combine to combine my own crops in the fall. We start to be able to exchange, you know, what I maybe have lots of, for what he's got lots of, but I need it's it's. And so I think what our communities actually do is allow small independent business businesses like my own farm, which is just, it's just me. It's a one man show allows me some of the benefits of say a large 6,000 acre farm that has all the employees to do all these things. But I I personally like this model a little bit better because it means I have some autonomy over what I'm doing. And then I get to bring my talents and expertise to those around me. And I think at the end of the day, what really makes a good community is if you make the effort to bring your talents and expertise to your community and then let the community start to show you where it's needed and what you can bring to it. And if you do if you put it out into the world, you start getting it back in return and you seem to get way more back than you put out. So I think, I think that's the value of community. 
That's incredible. And uh, you're talking about a lot of things that are sort of central to democracy uh, an individual's right to ownership and income, um, the freedom of association and those strategic partnerships. That's a fancy word for Dave, I'm going to help you during harvest. And can I borrow the combine when you're done? Um, but it's actually what's happening. And that level of um, uh, cooperation, but also efficiency, you know, not high overhead makes uh, smaller scale farmers able to access the market and really, really important things to remember as we start to think about, um, you know, what life in our nation is going to be and where is our food going to come from? That's really incredible. And Patrick, how can local, provincial and federal governments help out? I think they're starting to do this. Um, I've been lucky enough to participate in a few of their young leadership programs. Um, I think anything that helps get people, especially my age, to start thinking about what community actually is. From a selfish perspective, what's the benefit to having a community? Because we kind of live in a world where it's just like, well, I I just live in... So I have a bit of an interesting backstory is I actually have a degree in architecture and I worked um, some co-op jobs in Toronto. And so I've always had the unique perspective of I kind of know what it's like to live in downtown Toronto for like a year. You're kind of just, an in, you know, you, you have your friend groups, but it's, it's, it's kind of very anonymous. Like you're part of a big sea of things, but you're very anonymous and you just kind of do your what you've been told to do and then you go home and you watch your Netflix and then you go to sleep and you do it all again. But you can't necessarily do that in a real community because everybody knows you and everything you do is tied to your reputation and where you stand this community. And I think what, you know, what our governments can do to try and help foster more community is for those that haven't had the luxury of growing up in a place where that level of community is just sort of built into you from day one is kind of get you thinking about it. Um, Why, is civic involvement important? Why is it important that you sit on industry boards? Why it is important that you take some leadership roles in your community? Um, a lot of that, in my mind, you know, one way to frame that is, in some ways, it's 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 society's succession planning. We have these institutions that need leaders, and a lot of the leaders that are in these positions right now are getting older. And, you know, some may would like to retire, but they just, they're holding on in some ways. I'm sure in some ways they still like doing it, but in other ways, it's just like, there is no one to replace me. You know, we see this a lot in agriculture. We're like, we've got 80 year old farmers that are still farming. Um, And I think it's important, like what I've benefited from, from some of these leadership programs is just starting to get me involved in these things and thinking about what does leadership actually need to mean and why is it important and what parts of my own expertise can I bring to the table? That's excellent because it's a bit of a call to action, but it's a roadmap on what can we all do. Uh, So government's continuing to support leadership uh, programming and farming, but also um, celebrating and promoting the quality of rural life. And I love the way that you positioned that it's society's succession plan when we look at leadership and who's going to be, um, you know, representing the critical roles for all the things that you mentioned earlier in the show in terms of 
um, the role farmers play in the social advancements of various yeah. things that we have going on and enjoy. So that is fantastic. After the break, we'll focus on the unique story that every farm tells with Patrick Verkley, first vice president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you're listening to Food for the Future. Patrick Verkley, first vice president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture, is here to share what's old and new in farmstead planning. Uh, Patrick, farmers are so busy. You had talked about 80-year-olds still out farming. Um, I know they're very long hours, uh, seven days a week, and it's a challenge to find enough hours in a day to raise awareness about the industry. And what can listeners do during Ontario Agriculture Week this week, October 3rd to 9th, to help celebrate farmers? We're in the middle of a busy harvest time. We've got uh, we've got to run a large equipment down the road. Um, yeah, we're we're in the middle of a busy harvest season right now, and there's lots of big equipment that's on the road. And I'm sure it is not fun to come up behind a big combine and a green buggy and a train of wagons, and you're trying to get somewhere. And you know, maybe just as an act of charity to us, give us a little time. We we do see you. We, we don't really want to be um, on the road, but we kind of have to get to that field to get that crop off because we don't get it off, then it's going to rot in the field. And that's, then you won't have something to eat. So we're going to do our best to try and stay safe on the roads. We just, we'd love some, you know, reciprocation, give us a little time. Just when you see a big combine coming around with its flashing lights, just be aware that, it's going to be there that it's wider than what our lane of traffic is. And, um, uh, and maybe just watch out. If you see, we've got a big issue right in my local community where there's a bunch of road closed signs up and they're right on the gravel side road, which means that every time I go by one with the combine, I got to pull into the oncoming traffic lane to get around it. Um, and so if you see those types of things, like just that's something you can watch out, but you know, just try not to get too frustrated with us. That'd be awesome. I have really good advice and take a moment to learn something. Look at the size of the tractor, look at how many wagons, what's in those wagons. It's a moment uh, to uh, take in our environment and appreciate our farmers during Ontario Agriculture Week, October 3rd tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the show and representing the dedication and heart that goes into farming uh, in Ontario, but also in our nation and across the world. Patrick, you're a farmer with expertise in designing farmsteads. You talked before the break about your degree in architecture, and you've said that every farm tells its own story. Can you please expand on this? Any farmer kind of knows this, but if you drive down the road with a farmer, we can look at the farm and know what that farm does. Um, what the farm does is clearly legible in the types of buildings that are there, be they grains, grain storage bins, elevators, chicken barns, pig barns, dairy barns. The beauty of farm buildings is that they are highly practical uh, buildings. There's not, not a whole lot of design fluff on them. They're very, very practical. And that's something that I'd always liked about farm buildings. And so when you look at a farm, all that information is there if you know how to read it. That's really interesting. It's like reading that we recognize the words on a page when we think of story, but farmers know the story of what's going on on any given farm based on the elements that you said. And, and very interesting in design, we often think of form 
and function. And there's so many embellishments and many types of architecture, but farm is all function. Yeah, it's nice if you painted it green or red or whatever color it is, but mm. basically that farm has to work. That's that's really a, a actually unique in architecture, I think, and uh, maybe a model for us to get back to as we start to think about affordability and housing. There's a lot of innovations in um, agricultural architectural design in air, solar, wind, and soil management, but what will always remain the same in farmsteads and in farming, Patrick? Always is a long time, but I think something that has always stayed around is that um, at their core farmers do what they can to view their job as being stewards of the land we may own we may rent we may whatever but our job is tied into both producing food for today but also making sure that we can grow food on that farm tomorrow the year after year after that in one generation two generations and 15 generations from now we're always trying to, at our core, if we're doing our job right, it's we're focused on making sure that we have food for today and for forever. Wonderful. And as you're talking, uh, you know, 15 generations out, there aren't many industries that are thinking that far out. And I think it's a testament to the farmer's connection to the land, the deep understanding of, you know, we're in a time and a place and that, uh, that not only today's success, but our long-term survival is deeply rooted in how things are done today. That's, that's really an incredible response as we think about Ontario Agriculture Week this week, October 3rd to 9th. Patrick, uh, there were a few times in the interview, I got to tell you, I was, I was tearing up just the commitment, the honour, uh, the crusade that you're, that's coming through in your voice. I'd love to ask you, what do you love most about farming? Well... <laughs> Right now we're in harvest and it is busy and I kind of like the adrenaline rush of like, we got to get this stuff off. Like how do, you know, how do I operate this combine so that it's doing a good job, that it's cutting the crop off well, that we're not losing anything there, that it's combining well, but also making sure that that combine is running as quickly as it can to still do a good job and then how quickly can we get the grain off so that we can have this investment in a machine to do as much as it can i've always enjoyed that that kind of logistics puzzle of 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 harvest and you know how do we or orchestrate how we're driving the grain buggy in and out of the field bringing the grain to the wagon so that we're not packing down the soil for compaction um like there's a whole lot of these things that I don't know you get to think about and invent on the fly, but you know develop the principle and and do it so that we preserve the farmland for for next year for the year after, so that we have good crops for now and for a long time down the road. Um, what do I love about farming? I do love that I get to carry on a family tradition that's gone back generations, and I love the people that being in agriculture gets me to connect with. Um, interesting things that really you know are beneficial to me and to who i can share that information with what an incredible story of creativity and generosity you know the causal relationships if i do this what will happen will it be more efficient will it be uh more aligned to what it is i'm trying to do with the land and soil management whatever the aim is but also this incredible personal satisfaction 
Um, you had talked earlier in the show about your family's farming background, going back to the 1700s in Europe and being part of that and part of a really great group. You've talked about some farmers, not just locally, but all the way out uh, in the Atlantic coast and, and elsewhere in the world and really doing something important for humankind. I think that there's a lot to love about farming and thank you very much for that. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for being here today and for all you do to ensure a bright future, not only in the agriculture industry, but for society and um, humankind as a whole and keep going. Thank you, I will. <laughs> Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about Ontario Agriculture Week from October 3rd to 9th and about what's new and old in farming with Patrick Verkley, first vice president of the Middlesex Federation of Agriculture. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, how can you let farmers know you appreciate their work? Something to do, visit middlesexfederation.ca to learn about the long history of farming in our community and much more. Next week on the show, we return to the series Food for Thought, in which we discuss big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and to find the way forward together. We'll discuss World Food Day coming up on Sunday, October 16th, with Jocelyn Brown, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization Liaison Office for North America. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.